Mike. Glad you could join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeye's. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh yeah, I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeye's. Let's go. Let Popeye's do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeye's flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants. Welcome to another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. I'm Marcus Paff, joined by Reggie Razu. On today's episode, one longtime rule of the road could be going away soon. And Weird Wednesday, all the zany stuff from around the world. Plus, this day in history, changes made for beer in the U.S. Coming up on Cool Stuff Ride Home. Well, we've all been there in the right lane at an intersection with a red light, but there's one car in front of you that plans to go straight on green, and that means you're unable to turn right on red. It can be maddening if you're in a hurry. And no, I'm not blaming the driver ahead of me. I've admittedly been that person too. But right on red has become a norm in the United States, so much so that might get honked at. You might get honked at if you don't turn quick enough. Well, the widespread practice is now being called into question and per CNN facing government curbs due to safety concerns. And if you're unfamiliar with the history of Right on Red, you're not alone. So was I, because who's actively looking up the history of an automotive turning practice in their spare time, especially when you've got me to just tell you about it. Uh, decades ago, the practice was limited to California and a few other Western states. That is until it spread across the country throughout the 1970s mainly in response to the Arab oil embargo against the U.S., along with oil rationing. Consequently, Ride on Red was introduced as a gas-saving measure, the idea being that it would reduce idling at red lights. The federal government actually aided the spread of the practice by tying federal funding for energy assistance to its introduction. The wording actually read that right on red should be introduced, quote, to the maximum extent practicable consistent with safety, end quote. By the end of the 70s, nearly every state in the country had legalized it, with the notable exception of New York City, Well, that was then, and this is now, and a number of major American cities, including Atlanta, Denver, Indianapolis, and Washington, D.C., have passed or proposed laws banning right on red in all or parts of their city. The belief is this will help protect pedestrians and bicyclists, something few would argue is a bad thing, especially with automobile-caused pedestrian deaths reaching their highest number since 1981, back in 2022, a figure north of 7,500. And per CNN, that's not counting the state of Oklahoma, which was missing data. Uh, To a certain extent, experts attribute this to fast driving speeds, lack of pedestrian-friendly infrastructure, and a general preference for larger, heavier vehicles like trucks and SUVs, vehicles designed to better protect the folks inside them, but all the more dangerous to those on the outside. What's crazy is that this is a relatively recent trend in the wrong direction. Between the years 1980 and 2009, pedestrian deaths were nearly cut in half, going from 8,070 to 4,100. Again, that for CNN. But since 2010, it hasn't been a pretty tale to tell. Between 2010 and 2021, pedestrian deaths rose an astonishing 77%. 
a trend that's most pronounced in the southern states where warmer weather means more pedestrian activity. Arizona and New Mexico are easily the two worst states when it comes to this particular phenomenon. Now, Jessica Sichinhino is the VP of Research at the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. She told CNN, quote, you have many roads that are designed to allow vehicles to go through as fast as they can that might not be designed with other road users in mind, end quote. And per Sichinhino, the faster the speeds, the more likely we are to see a higher death rate especially in rural areas where there's little to no infrastructure for pedestrians. Indianapolis in particular commissioned a survey which found that over a five-year period, 57% of car crashes involving pedestrians happened because drivers failed to yield to people in intersections. And they go on to note that trucks and SUVs are by far the biggest perpetrators here. And a lot of that has to do with the size, where the bumper sits on the particular vehicle much higher uh, and if you as a pedestrian uh, wind up being hit, unfortunately, you stand a much worse chance of survival or at least not being severely injured. And as these vehicles become more and more popular, that's part of the equation. And thus the decision in many of these states, and we'll see if this manages to make its way throughout the rest of the country. But right now, a lot of folks are reconsidering this longtime rule. As much as I don't want people to get hurt or die, I like my right on red. I, 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 it saves me time. It keeps traffic moving. I don't know. I like it. Yeah, I, I get it. And I think all of us like the benefits that it provides. And the thing is, I mean, right on red existed in up to 2009 as well. And statistics show that it was it was clearly much safer then. So how do we curb that? Well, it's tough to tell people stop buying trucks and SUVs because that's contributing to this, the rise in their popularity and the decline of the popularity of just the general car. But uh, I, I mean, there have to be ways to improve infrastructure that allows pedestrians to cross streets and do what they want to do, do what they need to do without fearing for their lives every time they uh, attempt to make a move out there. And and I'll be honest, I, I know what it's like on that side too, Reg. I've been in certain parts of larger cities and you're going, I don't know. I don't want to, do I want to step out here at some point? Because it feels like half the people aren't paying attention. Here's the other thing that's not mentioned in this, and it seems obvious. Smartphones. Smartphones really came into existence or, or, or became as popular as they, they are today right around that time, 2009, not to say that there weren't people who had them prior to that, but, you know, the iPhone was what, around, I, I want to say 2008. So now you have more and more people who are distracted drivers as well, looking at their phone while they're making moves on the road. And I, I'm not sure if that was looked at in this particular story, but I have to believe that's a big part of this too. Pay attention when you're driving. Right on red while texting, not a good combination. Right. Right. I mean, behind the wheel and texting in any yeah. capacity, there's nothing good about it. And look, I'm not some holier than thou person. I've done things that I'm not proud of that I, I shouldn't have done in looking at my phone or sending a text. But, you know, I do remind myself and I, I try, I've tried to be better about this. Just stop. There's nothing so important because I know this stuff is, you know, the show is cool stuff. So I'm not trying to be a, a preacher <laughs> here, but it, it kind of feels like that. It's today. not, not soapbox ride home. I, yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, so I apologize for that today, but it is one of those things I have to remind myself, Hey, uh, it's better to get there and, uh, and not have anything bad happen and take a guilty conscience with you the rest of your life. Okay. Stepping off the soapbox. Let's make this cool again. Well, let's make it cool with weird Wednesday. 
The so-called rat hole is taking social media by storm. What? What is a rat hole, you might ask? And I, I know you I'm are asking. asking right I'm now. asking. It is a rodent-shaped indentation in the concrete sidewalk at the 1900 block of West Roscoe Street in Chicago. A rat, some rodent, possibly a squirrel, fell out of a tree when the sidewalk was poured in the 90s and left a fantastic outline of its body in the sidewalk. And mm. it's been there ever since. It just recently became famous as some fans started you know, posting it on social media. They even nicknamed the deceased animal, which I'm assuming it's deceased, falling that distance and being this long. They named it Chimley, and they started leaving coins in the hole to honor it. So I'm assuming whatever it was got out of the cement at that point and ran uh -huh. away. But, but there's no footprints running away. There's just the imprint of the body. So... It may have gone splat, and then mm. someone came the next day when the concrete was dry and pulled it out. I, okay. I don't know. Well, all right. All right. It's, yeah, yeah. All right. Fair enough. If you see the picture, which I'll have a, a link to the story in the show notes, you can see the picture. It is a fantastic outline of the animal. I'm going to have to make a trip to Chicago again next time <laughs> I'm back in Wisconsin, Reg. We're going to take a little road trip and go see the uh, squirrel indentation. Oh, so what brings you to Chicago? Oh, I want to see that uh, squirrel invitation. <laughs> Wrigley Field, the Sears no. slash Willis Tower? Nah, no. nah, nah. I'm here for the rat hole. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day can be rough if you're a jilted lover. And if jilted you are lover? Well, are, you know. Well, are you reading those romance novels again, Reggie? I am. Uh, I got to pass the time somehow. <laughs> If you are one of those jilted lovers, the Rhode Island Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals wants to help you out. Quote, for a $5 donation, we will write the name of an ex-friend, lover, or even something you wish to bury in a litter box for our shelter cats to poop all over. How's that for stinky <laughs> retribution? Oh, end quote. <laughs> yeah. So you have until Valentine's Day to send in your request. You sending anything in, Marcus? <laughs> I don't, I don't have any plans, but let me think about this. I, I can't help but think about the, the, the dog that appeared on Conan now that you're, uh, that this promotion. Do you remember Triumph the Insult Dog? I do, for me to poop on. <laughs> That's what's coming to mind right now. So, uh, hey, good PR on their part. I mean, anytime you could throw something weird like this out there, people respond and take notice. So if nothing else, I think the, the positive here is that it's bringing attention to uh, an animal shelter that clearly needs some help and support. And you can get revenge on a lover, which they will never know about. It'll just be for you. <laughs> a jilted lover. <laughs> yes. So here's one I don't know if completely fits in Weird Wednesday, but for me it does. Siggy's Dairy, a company that is known for selling Icelandic-style yogurt, started a month-long digital detox contest and is offering contestants $10,000 to take part. Sign-up started on January 17th, and yes, there is a link in the show notes. They want to have people live a simpler life with fewer distractions, pointing out that the average person spends 5.4 hours a day on their phone. To take part, you will have to give up your smartphone for a month, and if you're one of the lucky uh, selected participants, you will get a smartphone lockbox, a classic flip phone, one-month prepaid SIM card, three months of Siggy's yogurt, and that $10,000 if you succeed in the detox. Mm, okay. What makes this weird Wednesday for me? Uh, I just don't understand what yogurt has to do with the digital <laughs> detox. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering that as you uh, proceeded as well. In fact, I wondered what is Icelandic style yogurt at that, oh. but... 
I guess Icelandic. I, I looked that up according to, uh, I believe, Wikipedia. I grabbed this from. It was originally yogurt from the Nordic island. Um, what it is, it's it's similar to Greek yogurt, but it's strained a little bit more to get it a little more stick to your spoon product. Uh, has a little bit more protein. Mm. Traditionally made with non-fat yogurt, uh, but uh, popular brands like the Siggies there, uh, they put a bit of whole milk and even cream in to give it a little more richness. Uh, it tends to be less tart and more decadent than Greek yogurt. Well, uh, you don't have to thank us for giving you your dinner table fodder tonight. You can discuss <laughs> Icelandic style yogurt as you are now an expert, uh, as am I. Uh, okay, fair enough. But yes, like you, have no idea what that has to do with a digital detox. But I will say, I could probably use one of those. And one final story for Weird Wednesday. Got to throw in that Guinness World Record one, right? There's got to be at least one a week. Well, there's one every day, it seems like. This useless Guinness World Record uh, has 1,946 people gathering in China. They played whipping tops at the same time. That's a game that involves players using a small whip to keep a spinning top in motion. Hmm. The people there had to keep the top spinning for five minutes to break the record. The previous record was 1,000 people. So they nearly doubled it. Well, hooray. Um, (laughs) I don't mean to denigrate this particular uh, record, but man, how many of these records, these bizarre records all the time? At some point, it's just like, what is going on? At least last week, the old guy going down the Mississippi, that's yeah, that's a, a difficult task. Yeah, it's sort of a, a an athletic feat, you know, and yeah, like how you just called him hey, the you, old you're... guy. <laughs> Sorry. The older gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did get a record for being the oldest man, so uh, I think I'm fair in saying <laughs> And you're not saying spinning tops with a whip isn't an athletic feat? I, I I need to see this in action to really, I mean, I have a picture in my head, but I want to confirm that what I'm visualizing is accurate because one, that seems difficult. I, I mean, taking a whip and trying to whip a top to keep it in motion without just knocking it over. Uh, I, I don't think I could participate in this record. Taking a look at this day in history on January 24th, 1935, the first can of beer was sold mm. in the U.S. Mm. Now, beer was obviously sold before this date. Usually it came in glass bottles since the early 19th century. In fact, the bottle of beer was produced in London in 1810, but we aren't talking about bottles. We're talking about cans. Okay. It was the, well, I just wanted to get my, I, I wanted a little <laughs> history on the bottle there. As for the can of beer, it was the Gottfried Kruger Brewing Company out of Richmond, Virginia, that sold the first can of beer. It was Kruger's Cream Ale that had that honor. Mm. The beer was only available in Richmond and a few other cities in Virginia and North Carolina. Gottfried Kruger Brewing Company started in Newark, New Jersey, though, in 1866. Now, the United States was a little behind the time since canned beer had actually been available in Europe since the 1920s. It was Emil Kruger who owned Gottfried Kruger Brewing. Uh, He hired a team to figure out how to preserve the beer, and they came up with a canned container that could easily be opened with a church key style opener. The first cans were actually made of steel. The canned beer was an instant success due to the convenience it allowed for both manufacturers and consumers. The canned beer was easier to transport and store, plus they were lightweight and the metal protected the beer from light and oxygen, which expanded their shelf life. It didn't take long to catch on as it became more and more popular through the 40s and 50s. In fact, by the 1950s, most breweries use cans when packaging beer. With the beer being made from steel, though, it wasn't perfect. It did leave a bit of a distinct flavor. 
and was a little expensive to package because steel did cost a little extra money at that time. It was around the 60s that aluminum cans started being used, but it wasn't until the 90s that aluminum completely took over. A few more stats. Uh, By 72, 80% of the beer sold in the U.S. was canned. Skip ahead to the present, 95% of beer made in the U.S. is canned. Yeah, I I guess I'd believe that at this point. Um, Although it kind of depends on my mood as to what bottles or cans, which am I going to select when I'm out at the grocery store? Um, I could go either way, depending upon my mood that day. I do feel like the popularity of bottles is starting to come back as, you know, it tastes better in the bottle or, you know, some people have that mentality. And obviously, if you go to a bar, uh, depending on the bar you go to, it's most likely going to come in a bottle or out of the tap, not in a can. Although I do have a few bars I know of that still serve cans. Well, it's interesting because you would think aluminum would be less dangerous around people who are imbibing <laughs> and <laughs> and maybe prone to we'll call it erratic behavior i would think it'd be better to not have glass on hand but you're right that is really the standard is you're going to get a, a bottle or you're going to get a draft beer in many cases at a bar or an establishment o- over a can in fact usually when you see cans you're like hmm this is Did they just go down to the store and buy these and then bring them back for sale? You mentioned it tastes better out of a bottle. I feel that way very much so about soda. I don't necessarily think that about beer. In my mind, it's there's really no difference. They both kind of taste the same. I I, I will always go for a draft beer over either one of the prepackaged options. So back to your point of the imbibing at the bar, movies wouldn't be the same. If you try cracking a aluminum can over the bar instead of a beer bottle when you're getting in a fight. So, like Roadhouse? I mean, yeah, yeah, this can won't crack open. Try it wouldn't be the same. Throw empty cans at someone. Hey, ow, that was mildly inconvenient. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. If you have any corrections for us, any thoughts, you can email us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. He's Marcus Path. I'm Reggie Rizzo. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. Cool Stuff Ride Home.